Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Always my favorite part of the week, not only because I get to be here with you live, my listeners that watch live and my watchers that watch live because we've got video and you know i never know who's going to be on here live and we've had up to 60 people on live and we've had zero people on live but that's not why i do the show it's not just about the live part it's about providing you with incredible guests and perception perception shifting questions that hopefully will get you thinking a little bit differently than you did before and i want to thank as i did last week all of you out there who watch the show, who subscribe to the show, and who send me great, great comments because the show is in the top 3% globally all podcasts, and that's to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of that. I can't thank you enough, and I'd love to hear what you think about the show. Any guests that you think would make the perfect guests because maybe they've taught you a new question to ask. And today's guest is somebody that so many of you have asked me to have back on the show. And I've we she and I have talked for like almost a year talking about getting her back on the show. And I'm always so booked and I just really, really, really wanted to have her back on. And then she goes, hey, Laura, I've got a new book coming out. And I was like, okay, well, we are making this happen. And my returning guest is Carlene Anglade-Cole. She rocks. I love her. This woman has more energy in a day than I have in a couple of weeks or a month. It's insane the level of energy she has, but beyond that, the level of positivity. And she is this crazy talented copywriter, a consultant, a mentor, and I hope she calls me friend because I think she is the most amazing person in the world. Her new book, Your Copy Sucks, You Don't. I don't have a physical copy yet, but I, I do have what I read for the entire book, which is, and she's going to laugh, I printed this out. Carlene, I'm bringing you in. I printed <laughs> out the book because I have to dog ear, I have to highlight, I have to do all this stuff when I'm preparing for my guests. And then I print it out in color your back and front so that I could hold it up and show everybody. And one copy, one copy. <laughs> and they're available on Amazon now. Oh, so people can, can go get them and order them. But, you know, often I, I, I feel very honored because guests on my show often send me advanced copies and I get to read them when sometimes in times multiple times throughout the process. And I have to tell you, I just, knowing you in person, well, not physically in person, because we've never actually met, so I can get one of your awesome hugs I keep hearing about. <laughs> but this book is totally you. And I just, I love the title. And I know this title has very specific meaning. Can you explain to my guests what they should take from this title. Your copy sucks, you don't. 60 kick butt lessons on copywriting, business, and life. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. I'm so glad we were able to make it happen after a year. Had to have had to write a whole new book to get back on your, your podcast. We, we talked about it and it okay. just never happened and I don't know why, but you know, it's all in God's plan. You are so right. I'm so glad this is even this has been better because I'm so excited about this book too. And the title um, actually evolved from something that I do with my crazy copy system live mentoring show, uh, my tribe members. This is a live mentoring um, that I do for, for aspiring copywriters. So we get hands on and I help them write copy and help them kind of earn while they learn. Anyway, so I what part of the process is I do copy critiques for them. And these people range from being rookies to experienced writers. Some 20, 30 years experienced writers are, are in my um, 
in my um, show, in my um, in my tribe. So I, I found that, you know, when I get into doing copy critiques, I, I learned from Clayton Makepeace, my mentor is like, you just zone in that copy and nothing else matters. I'm just focusing on the copy with the goal of trying to make it as good as it could possibly get so that my, my students can get winners, can get controls. So I found that when I do that, I tend to just, you know, some things come out that's not so nice necessarily. And I'm going, oh, I don't mean to be mean, but I'm trying to help you out here. So we created this mantra that pretty much before we start any copy critiques, I, I, I say, listen, repeat after me, you know, you're awesome. You're amazing. Your copy sucks. You don't. So now let's just focus on, you know, the actual work on hand here, because as writers, you know, our words are our babies. So you start attacking someone's words. It's like they're taking it very personal. So I was just trying to take the emotion out of the experience so they can focus on what I'm saying. So when I'm going in the copy, I'm like, what the heck is that? That's lame. Fix that. Move that around. Take that over there. What? You lost me. Go back and fix it. You know, when I'm going through my process. I don't have to worry about saying, oh, but you're nice. Oh, so I'm sorry. You know, I'm just going to go right in it and just kill the copy so that we can resurrect it into something stronger. Um, and so I know that they know that there's no hard feelings at here. When I say this is this sucks, it doesn't mean you personally. Well, through that process, I have also learned that your copy sucks has become sort of a, you know, a metaphor about life too. Um, that, you know, stuff happens, bad stuff, terrible stuff can happen, you know, but a lot of times it's not your fault. It's not within your power to even fix anything. It just is what it is. So you have to understand this is what's happened. It's not personal. So don't take it that way. You got to keep moving, got to keep going with the punches. So that whole concept of, you know, I'm having a bad day. Oh, or somebody's coming at me, attacking me for whatever reasons, yelling at me, whatever. I'm like, it's their problem. That's their problem, not mine. Don't take it on, Carleen. Let leave it alone. Give it alone. So it's the whole your copy sucks. You don't kind of has transcended beyond copywriting and has taken on its its own form in business and life. So when that you know I was initially the name of the book was just I had it as running title was sixty lessons learned before age sixty because that was my motivation for getting this book done. I turned sixty and I'm like you know I know a lot. I could share a lot with people. And you don't look 60. <laughs> hey, I own it. I own every single day, month, and year of it. I have no problem. You know, I have a big t-shirt that says made in 1961, all original parts, you know? So, <laughs> so I have no problem. I love it, you know? But the point is that um, I just, I kind of, the name of the book was 60 Lessons Before I Turned 60. And I thought, you know, this is not a title. This is just more of a a subhead. It's not right. the book. And it wasn't until I finished writing the book and I got the lessons done and I started talking and working through it, that lesson number 34, just like I was asleep one night and it just slapped me in the face going, what are you doing? Here's the title of your book. You know, so I got up and I'm like, that's my book. That's the title. And that was it. And I sent it off and I had my tribe members. I always get my tribe involved with what I'm doing. I said, Hey guys, I'm trying to name my book here. Are three titles. You know, one was 60 lessons learned before 60. The second was write like you talk. And the third one was your copy sucks. You don't, you know, and I told them vote for this. Let me know. And overwhelming, overwhelming. Like, oh, Carly, no, your copy sucks. You don't. That is you. That is you. And I'm like, okay, there we go. You know, I kind of knew it anyway, but it was nice right. to get confirmation from my tribe that this is cool. This is what, you know, you should do. And, and that is, that's how it happened. That's where the title came from. And I'm just loving the book. So. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Well, you know, hearing that process really sort of lives the your copy sucks, right? You don't. You were willing to open yourself up to feedback. And you were even critiquing yourself going, wait, that title is not quite right. I mean, I know you're uh, an award-winning multi-million dollar uh, copywriter. And that in your world means that you're copy that you've written to sell things has made millions of dollars every time you've done it, which is like crazy huge that words can, can do that. But we all know words matter. Words make a difference. So tell me about that process. Cause I think this is really important for people. Was there a moment for you, Carlene, where you realized that you needed to make that shift from I know Clayton Makepeace has been a, who's a 
world-renowned copywriter. He's been a mentor of yours. Was there a moment in your life, whether it's as an adult or a child or whatever, where that title, Your Copy Sucks, You Don't, really came home for you in terms of, let me figure out the best way to word this. For so many of my listeners, it's very hard to take critique, especially when it comes to something that they either believe they're an expert in, want to believe they're an expert in, and to allow somebody else, whether it's personal life, whether it's business life. So was there a moment for you where that really honed in? And how would you advise people to find that for yourself? Yeah, Um, I, I think that's more, not just a moment, but more of an evolution Okay. Um, so I would say I can remember when you asked that question immediately, I remembered with Clayton Makepeace when he would critique my copy. Okay. And my very, very first promotion that I wrote, I first job that somebody was willing to pay me serious money for to be a copywriter was for a male potency product. Okay. And here okay. I am. I'm competing against this white male copywriter who's got the control. And here I am going up against it, you know, not white male. You know, <laughs> you know, young, and as far as copywriting is concerned, and I'm going against this this uh, package, and so I wrote the lead for it, and I remember asking Clayton if he would take a look at it for me. What do you think? And man, he tore it up. He tore up that lead. So he's like, and then he pretty much said in a PG version, "You write like a effing girl," you know. And I and I just went back. I'm like, but I am a girl. He said, but your market isn't. You know, and you forgot that. So when he said that to me, it was like a slap in the face because your cut this sucks. It completely sucks is what it comes down to it. He said, because you're writing like a girl, you're not talking to your markets like you should be doing. Well, he he was very in my face about it and he made me cry. I cried. I mean, I really, really did cry a lot, you know, going, I'm never gonna get this right. I'm not gonna be a girl. I am a girl, and you know, I'm going through all these emotions. Um and but I had to stop and just step outside of myself and say, wait a minute, this is like one of the best copywriters in the world. And he is giving you critiques and you're going to go argue with him. You know, shut your pie hole and listen is what it came down to. Right. So I, you know, it's like be quiet because, first of all, he doesn't have to do this. It is not he's not I wasn't paying him to do it. So there's nothing that he wasn't going to make money off of my success. He was doing it because he genuinely was my friend and he was doing me a favor. So I'm taking that and I'm going to sit there and try to argue and like, let me explain. Let me do that. No, just be quiet. Be quiet and listen to what the person who has the experience is trying to share with you. So I did that. And so I went back and I was like, he's absolutely right. This is girl copy. You know, guys, this is an impotency promotion. I'm talking like a woman, you know? So he told me, he said, you need to go and burp, fart, and adjust your package and come back and work on this thing when you can be like, when you can think like a guy, you know? So I did it. <laughs> I didn't and the rest is history, right? Yeah, I didn't have a package to adjust per se, but, you know, I moved around in my seat a little bit if I had to, you know? And so, and I jokingly told my students to this day, I said, every time Clayton Makepeace made me cry with a crit, my income skyrocketed, you know? And so it was just listening to what he was saying and because he knew it and I followed what he did and I, and I got my very first control with that potency package. And then the rest was history because I now had a sample that I could use to get more clients. So that was one stage where sort of, you know, realizing, you know, be quiet and listen to when somebody has something to say. And even to this day, I tell people, if somebody was somebody you love, a friend of yours, a business acquaintance you respect, if that person is willing to tell you something about yourself, you know, shut your pie hole, and just listen to what they have to say. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but just listen because somewhere there's a truth that you don't see that is so obvious to everybody else. And so that was kind of, so that in life I've taken that approach of going, you know, stop and listen, what, you know, and, and do, it, do what they're saying and then not taking it personally. So in personal life and your kid that you raised you know, this child that you love, you raise this child, right? And then they go out and do stupid things. 
right? <laughs> you know, and just like really, I mean, really, they go out there and do really dumb things. Well, does that mean you're a bad parent? No. You know, you did your job, but the child has to, you know, has a point where they have to make their own decisions and then you don't like the decisions. And so therefore it is what it is. But my, many parents are like, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? You know, I nursed him till he was 12. <laughs> well, that's where you went wrong right there. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I want to dive a little little deeper in this because in your book, in one of the lessons, and I, I can't remember which lesson it is off the top of my head, but it's one of the lessons you, you talk about, you know, you need to listen. and But then there's this other part of it when somebody is critiquing you or somebody is, we've all had this in life, uh, a supposed friend or family member or somebody basically tries to dump all this stuff on us. Mm -hmm. At what point or how have you been able to take what's coming in and say, yes, this is truth. No, this is not truth. This is what I should listen to. Um, this, this is, this is real. This is their stuff versus my stuff, because that's, in business and in life, that is such a hard thing for so many people because, I mean, I'm, I'm divorced twice, right? And my my second ex-husband, I mean, he, when he said he wanted a divorce, things that he said were horrible and untrue in a number of cases, like blatantly untrue. But to him, they were truth for in whatever reality in his mind so how, how do you do that, Carlene? What's your process for evaluating that and then working through whatever you realize, oh, okay, I need to do something with that? Yeah. Um, my process is more detachment. Um, it's stepping outside of yourself. You know, I mean, when someone's, someone's saying, I don't, I'm not, a, no one's going to attack me verbally and for me to stand there and take it. I may have to take my leave. You know, I'll say, you know what, I'm done. But if someone is telling me something that has happened many times in my life, where they've just slapped me with some serious truth about myself that I didn't think was true, or I didn't believe to be the case, but they're saying it to me. And this is somebody who I generally trust and respect. I mean, you know, it's not some random stranger calling me names, but it's somebody who is in my inner circle and has the the guts and the love to tell me something about myself that I need to know. Um, what I have to do is, like you said, detach from it. You have to, you have to just say, okay, step back. Now, what was said, and find the truth in what was said. Find what you're willing to accept, and then the rest you gotta let it go. You know, you gotta let it go. You don't need to because they may add on a whole lot more than they needed to add on because that's their issues that they're adding to it. But if they're saying something, like I talked in the book, I said there was one moment that I had a friend of mine. Um, she, I've known her for years, and she just one day said to me, you talk too much, you know? And I'm going, well, I'm an extrovert. What do you expect? Of course I talk. You don't talk enough. You and know? you talk a mile a minute with such joy in life. Like, ah! Yeah, we've known each other forever. What are you talking about? She goes, no, you talk too much. You need to listen before you open your mouth and talk. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that was, that was a real punch in the gut, you know? And I thought, you know what, instead of going back and attacking her, I had to just be quiet. I just got quiet and go, okay. And let me think about that, you know? And so I had to stop. And then I, as I thought about it, I realized, well, my friend is a very quiet person. It takes her longer to get her thoughts out to get, you know, to get her message, you know, spoken. And I felt the need to interrupt and, 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 and go ahead and finish things off for her because she was taking too long, you know? But that was me looking at it from my perspective. She was fine with her pace. She's like, I'm not trying to rush. I'm going to say what I have to say in the time I need to say it. But you keep coming in and interrupting and jumping on me, you know, and therefore I was disrespecting her. Um, because I'm thinking, oh, let me help. I know she means, what she means to say is, da, 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 you know, like that. And I was doing that. I've done it for years. But when she finally said, you talk too much, you need to stop and listen, you know, and let other people talk. It, I, I had to digest that. I did. It, it didn't come off well initially. I was mad that she said, I'm like, that's rude. You know, and I'm trying to help you out. And you're going to come at me like that. And, da, 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 da. and then I had to just stop and go, okay, let me step back. And let me listen to what she said. 
and let me go, where is the truth in these statements that she's made? And what, and can I accept this and say, is it, have I seen me do this? And I have, I, you know, she was absolutely right. And so I went back to her. I said, you know, I really appreciate you telling me this. I didn't think that was the case, but I see it. So can we do this? Because evidently this is a problem I have. I said, when you see me doing it, can you just use a little code word? So I will know I got back off on, you know, back off a little bit because I'm going there and I don't know it. And so we did that for a while until I, until I got into it, you know, and, and I have a friend, my friend, Miriam Sakamani. I talk about her a lot in the book too, because she has this amazing way to take criticism without be feeling attacked by it. And I, I'm a, I said, and I tell her, I said, when I, I said to, to offend her, you have to literally say, Hey, Miriam, what I'm about to say is meant to intentionally hurt you and, and you know, make you angry. So <laughs> I remember reading that, that in the yeah. book. Please take it that way, because if you don't say that to her, whatever criticisms you give to her, she will go, you know what? I appreciate your honesty. I will think about what you said and I will try to make any changes that I feel are necessary. You know, and then that's it. And I'm going, wow. So that's an art. I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm at the point of accepting it. I'm shutting my pie hole, but she takes it to another level for me. And I, I have someone to imitate, you know, with, with, with how she handles that. So. Well, there's so much in the book in the 60 plus lessons that are in the book <laughs> that, you know, really, to me, they were fascinating. Some of them I, I thought of for myself, other ones I didn't. I One of them, lesson number six, fire a client who disrespects or belittles you, you know, listening to what you were just saying about gaining awareness of things and being told by somebody you, you talk too much in, in a, a different way than just talking too much. You know, it was something that has helped you throughout your career because of that. My guess for you, Carlene, is there were way more than the 60 and change lessons that were in there. How did you decide to which ones to put in here? I mean, there are lessons like tell yourself you feel good even if you don't. Be a parent and not a peer. Fire a client who disrespects or belittles you. I used to do that at least once a year. And my staff always looked up to me because it was you know, after the the first time a client yells at you, you just step back with everything that you just said and go, okay, what's truth? What's not truth? Maybe they're just having a bad day. But when it continues to happen, it's like, respect yourself, people. Bullies don't rule kind of thing. Your, your family are the people who really love and who love you back. I mean, it just goes on, including one about bras. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hoist them girls up. <laughs> I know, but it, it's how did you come up with just these? And how many more did you throw away on the editing room floor? Yeah. Um, the idea for the book actually came when I, I wrote an article for my Copy Star readers. I have a, 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 a Copy Star e zine, and uh, it's a free e zine that I send out to people who are interested in, in the copywriting. Um, and so I decided I was going to do 60 lessons learned before I turned 60, and it had to be short. And so I was writing, I was targeting towards these folks who I knew were aspiring or copywriters. I knew that with the, the age where they were, um, they were, you know, close to my age or a little bit younger. Um, and um, so I kind of had a feel for who they were. And I thought, I'm going to just give you guys, and I picked 60, of course, because like I said, I was turning 60, so it just made sense um, to do that. And so I, I I decided, okay, let me just do this. And it was just short, you know, very short little thoughts that I had about, you know, things you can, you know, I've learned in life. And it was so well, you know, received. Um, you know, they're like, this is so great. This is wonderful. Like little, those little, um, you know, pithy sayings. I'm going to remember that. And so from there, I, you know, I, I said, you know, I think I could do a book out of this. And so we got the book idea going from it. So I had to then I work with Laura um, uh, Gale. Laura Gale. Laura Gale was my editor. And so it was sort of, yeah, it, we had a whole lot I could have used. And it just became, all right, we're talking about three things. Copywriting, because that's who I am. That's what I do. And that's that's what I, that's the experience I can bring to my market. So copywriting and then business, because I've had other businesses besides copywriting businesses and that were successful. So we can talk about that. And then life, you know, my children, I have four children, I have four grown grandchildren. I've been married for 38 years. I have friends who are, I've known for 50 plus years. So I thought, you know, that's, there's history 
and all of this. And there are lessons in here that it can be shared with other people. So I would that so the premise was okay, I'm only gonna do 60 and I gotta try to balance them off. So what were the ones that I felt were the the key lessons that that guided my life? And so from there is how I was able to whittle out because yeah, there's a lot of things we can talk about. The bra example was very important to my life because I spent many years trying to find the perfect bra and then I finally did and then they took it off the market. (laughs) I hate that. I hate that. So I felt that that explains, I mean, a lot of the women and even the men who hear the women complaining about the bras in their lives, you know, can relate to something. And if it's not a bra, you can fill it, fill that, you know, with something else that will be something that is essential that you needed and then it's taken away from you. What do you do when you can't get it and how do you find something better or, you know, equal? So in my case, it was the Notori bra came to my rescue, right? Um, so that was kind of how it evolved is where it's like, I can't talk about everything, but these 60 plus, um, you know, lessons I felt really sort of represented the first 60 years of my life in many ways. And that's kind of how we ended up coming up with that. It was so powerful reading them and, and the flow back and forth. And the bra one was so perfect and so perfectly you. I, I think every woman has a bra story mm-hmm. like that. And so many times I've gone into a store and I find the perfect bra and you can't find another one. There's like one mm-hmm. of the bra in your size and you can't get another one. So with the internet, you start scrounging and it doesn't, you get another one. It doesn't fit quite the same way as that particular one. And I, I'll never forget my grandmother. She knew how to sew really, really well. And one time I, you know, I was buying a pair of jeans. Great example, buying a pair of jeans. And I literally took three pairs of jeans, the exact same jeans, same size, and only one of them fit me. The exact same jean. And my grandmother was with me and she said, Laura, that's because when they cut it, they put a large stack of the cloth together and they cut the pattern. It's not just one thing at a time. And depending on where the fabric was in the cut, it may be slightly smaller, it may be slightly bigger. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, that just doesn't seem fair. (laughs) You know, the size should be the size and it should, should just fit. You know, it seems like men's clothes always seem to fit. You know, because they buy jeans or pants, it's by waist size and everything else seems to fit women's, you know, size 10, a two or 20, Mm -hmm. you won't fit the same way. And it varies by manufacturer. So I really loved that story and the detail that you put into it. Here, here's the question though. When you were writing the book, And when you do copy, right? Is it that idea of there's stacks and you're cutting and some things fit a little bit better, even though they're all the same size? So when you were writing these 60 lessons, was there a lesson that felt bigger to you than another or slightly not as big? There were lessons that felt too similar. Okay. You know, where I felt like, you know what, I've already talked about, I've already talked about it this way. I'm just saying the same thing slightly differently. So I really, I was able to weed out. Laura was great. Um, Laura Gill was great with helping me. She goes, you know, you talk about you know, family in this way, but you also mentioned them this, you know, this other way. So either we should either combine combine it or take out one. So I, okay. I, I had, like I said, to whittle down to the 16, there were still several lessons that were very similar that I said, you got to make it, you know, either incorporate it into the one lesson or just kill it. Just kill it because it may be a great story, but then it may not be really relevant anymore. So that was one way of sort of just getting the right fit done. Another right. one was, was really asking myself, okay, I think this is a great story, but do I feel this is really going to um, help people who are going to read this book? You know, I love my, you know, everything I do is personal. My copywriting is personal. My writing is personal. So I'm not worried about that part, but there are some things that I'm going, that's that's a little bit too niche, you know, that I'm thinking that, you know, maybe a few people will get this, but the the majority, it's not really a big of a deal. 
And so those are the, some of the stories I end up saying, um, yeah, you know, I don't have to go into that kind of a detail to make my point. And so I could whittle things away, you know, to get, to get the right fit um, of the book. And I tell you, I mean, there were several, there were some that I'm like, no, I don't want to cut this out. But you know, I don't want to, I don't want to. But it's like, yeah, you know, you, if, you, if you've only got this much, what are you going to do? You know, and it was just like right. you wrote a copy. When you're writing your copy, and you think everything you've written is great. But when you go through the editing process, you're like, yeah, this is nice, but it doesn't take the story where I need it to go. And so same thing with the lessons. You know, if I've already talked about a lesson that deals with maybe, you know, a children, a lesson learned about with my, like my children, when they, when they were tell, talk about their childhood, because I think my children had great childhoods. You know, you know, I thought their childhood was wonderful. You know, they had two parents who loved them. You know, they didn't, they were never in a situation where they were homeless or didn't have food to eat or were, you know, abused or anything like that. So to me, that's a great childhood, you know? And so- yeah. Yeah, and but yet they talk to their friends about their childhood, and I'm going, "Hey, that is not what happened, okay? That is not, <laughs> you know, you know." And because that's their perspective, they go, "Oh, my, had some right. my parents. I to try to please them about this and that or whatever." So it got to the point where I tell that story, and I say, "Well, you know, they're gonna say it, they're gonna see it their way, and that's their prerogative, and it is this. That's how they see it, and that's fine." I said, "But I can look at it to say if you're telling me that oh my childhood was terrible because my." two parents, you know, made me come home at a reasonable hour and they forced me to study so I could get good grades in school. And they, they taught me manners, you know, but I, you know, right. and I'm thinking, wow, if those, if those were your complaints, man, I, you know, cause they're going to have them no matter what, I'll take those complaints. I'll own them. Yep. You're right. I suck. You know, <laughs> I suck, you know, cause I made you do that. So I'll take those. So we had to kind of come to that understanding. If I tell a story about my children like that, I may have another great story about my children, but I'm like, that's not taking the book where it needs to go. I've made my point for that lesson. So those well, are the it, ways that I was able to whittle out some of the, the stories. So many of the stories to me crossed, right? Like if we talk about the one about um, be a parent and not a peer, that also applies to entrepreneurs, be a boss, not a friend. Mm -hmm. I've I found advising clients over the years and from my own experience that sometimes you can get so close to your employees that you start treating them like family mm -hmm. and you sort of let certain behaviors slide that are damaging to the business. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the first time I had to fire somebody. I remember you told about that. You know, you took your while to do it. Yeah. You made excuses for it until finally you realize, you know, and then your employees find out that wish you had done this sooner because we yeah, were my clients awful. were all like, okay, well you should have done that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. but well, if nobody's willing to talk about it. So I'd, looking at that, like be a parent, not a peer, be a boss, not, not a, a family right. friend. And it looks like if we're looking in my camera that there's somebody doing some work <laughs> out there. I have no idea why they're here. And uh, well, we'll just kind of go with it. Hopefully they won't make a lot of noise. It's it's the perils of living in a homeowners association and I have a right away here. So they're obviously trying to fix something even though I have all these cameras on. <laughs> okay. Um, so that whole idea, even your family are the people you really love and who love you back. I, I can't tell you for myself personally, how hurt I was sometimes when staff did things that were kind of crazy. And I took it personally because I had treated them. Mm -hmm. I thought like family. So how do you respond to that? Yeah. You, you have to understand like when the parenting part of it, you know, where I, I, I had so many friends who, you know, the, Oh, we're best friends. Um, your child is eight years old. You're a grown up. How's your eight year old going to be your best friend? You know, that's, that's not, you're starting off there in the wrong foot. Um, and so people, you know, parents will put so much effort to try to, to befriend their child that they, they leave out the role of, of being what they're supposed to be to their child, which is a parent, which is the most important role because your child can find other friends, but you're the one parent. So similarly, if you, if you're running a business, um, yeah, you want to get along with people. Um, but it's got to get to the point to say well, there is a there is the line of demarcation here. 
You know, I am still your boss where you still have things that you need to accomplish. And just by saying, oh, you'll, you'll understand because we're friends is not going to cut it because you got to hit, hit your deadlines. You got to do your job. You got to, you know, you got to produce or you don't have a job. You don't have a job. So when you get to that point where you're trying to, oh, yeah, we're friends because we go to lunch together and we hang out on the weekends and we're, you've crossed that line. It's hard. It's hard to get it back. Um, so you really have to establish, reestablish it to say, you know what? I think you're wonderful. That's why you're working for me, you know, but when we're at work, we're at work. So this is not the time for you to share with me your weekend uh, or the drama that you're going on with the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever the case may be doing work hours because we got to get some work done. Now, after that time, we can talk. You know, but you got to kind of reestablish it and keep it at that point to say well, you can be, you know, courteous, you can be friendly. Um, but bottom line is you're still the boss and you got to get the job done, you know, and they got to get the job done or they won't have a job. And that's different from the it's business, not personal conversation. Right. And and if so, how? I don't think it's that different. It's not too okay. different from it. You know, it still comes down to is we are running a business. You know, I love the people who work with me. I have a great team. For the first 20 years of my career as a freelance copywriter, I had no one working with me. I mean, I, every so often I'd have maybe I, I, I could hire someone, independent contractor to help me with a project or whatever. And I had an assistant for maybe one or two days a week to help me take care of some things, you know, um, running errands or just kind of filing for me. I, I've had that, but part time, but never people in my face all the time. And these past couple of years, I now have like a staff. And I'm going, where did this come from? I'm not, I don't want to do that. I got away from corporate America. I didn't want that. <laughs> it just sort of evolved, you know, because I was doing so many different things. I'm thinking, oh, somebody can help me with this. We can get that done. And someone can help me with that and get that done. And it sort of kind of grew into, I have this staff of people that I really do enjoy. I, lo I love them. They're, they're great people. Um, I respect them. But I will fire their butt in a heartbeat. You know, if they don't, they don't get their work done, you know, it's come down like, all right, listen, love you, love you. But uh, what happened here? What's going on? Let's get this stuff done. And they know that. Uh, so we, we have to have the tough, the tough conversations at times, you know, but it always starts off with, you know, I love you. Right. You know, it's got nothing to do with something personal here, but we have an issue that we need to deal with and it needs to go one way or the other. So you got to you can't lose that because when you lose it, then who's running the ship? Right. Yeah. And then you're sort of rudderless too, if nobody's running the ship and you can just go completely off course. I yep. love, love that analogy. Um, lesson 24. I, I know I'm skipping around because there's like so much I want to talk about with you. It's so frustrating. Lesson 24 says the only person you can change is you. And even that's hard. I read that and can you talk about that? Just tell me what was going on in your head and everything when you were writing that particular lesson out. That was a stage where, you know, you, you know, married and you're thinking, well, you know, you don't like these things about your maid. So, oh, that's okay. I can change it. We can, I, can, I can help you change this and I can do that. And then you spend these years trying to, you know, help your mate change, you know, to fit what you think is the right way to go about. And you find out that you have just wasted your time. Because the change is not going to come from you. The change is going to come from the person that that either wants to change, you know, or not. And so, you know, so you spend all your efforts trying to change other people when the reality is you can't do it. Um, you, but you have full control of changing yourself, and you know that's even very difficult to do. You know, so it's so, sort of like if you got energy to, to use, use it where it's going to matter. You know, and you can say, you know, say, hey, that my, you know, this person, this person, I can't stand when my mate does X. Okay, well, what, what is your mate doing? Why don't you like it? What could be an alternative? How can you discuss it? You know, it's all about you. You know, you know, not you need to, you know, he needs to stop or she needs to stop doing that. And if they should stop doing that, then I'll be happy. That it, no, it can, none of that can work. It won't work that way. But it needs to be. This is what's happening. And now, why am I so upset about it? Why am I upset? My, you know, my mate comes in, drops his shoes off right in the middle of the floor and walks away. All right. All right. What am I upset about? I don't like mess over here. Okay. How am I going to handle that? I can either pick up the shoes myself and move them, or I can make a statement to say, no, I've got this nice little rack here. I just bought next to the door. How about we put the shoes right on here? Here's a solution for you. Cause if you got to drop your shoes right here, 
for whatever reason, okay, well, here's a rack. You can put them right there out of the way so that it doesn't trip trip over anyone or doesn't get dirty. So my point is just, you got to look at the situation and say, what is within your power? And how are you going to make those changes? And if you can't make the changes, then how are you going to adjust yourself to either adapt, you know, so that you can function, you know, with whatever the situation is that you don't like? And again, but I always preface this by saying, first of all, I am not a psychologist, a sociologist, or any ologist. And second, now, and I'm sharing my lessons learned. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm sharing an imperfect life that turned out, I think, pretty well. Um, so that I'm just saying, these are things that I've learned from my experiences. So I don't claim to be an expert. And I also never am stay, saying, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, you must stay in there. I'm not, I'm not making those kind of statements at all. You know, when I say something like the mate, you know, Hey, your mate's going to have 10 good things and 10 bad things. That was a chapter, you know, that is all of, no matter who it is. So if you marry again, that person will have 10 good things and 10 bad things. Um, so now you, instead of trying to change them, what are you going to do? Let's figure out how you can work with the 10 things that you don't like. <laughs> At least you know what they are. They keep changing on you, right? You know. So, and again, I say in that case, this is not condoning to say, oh, no, this is a, a bad situation, abusive situation or whatever to say. You must stay in this. Am I saying that at all? So take it with that grain of salt, you know, take it with that direction that I'm, I'm sharing my, my lessons learned in life. And, and that is another one of those lessons that to me, applied both on personal level, personal relationships and in business relationships as well. Many of my listeners are entrepreneurs and have staff and clients that that applies to. And a lot of them are, are staff. They work for somebody. They're thinking about making a change and they've had bosses who they just can't get anything done. I mean, I have tons of stories of time. My, my first job out of college, I ended up quitting and going somewhere else because I got a new boss and I just couldn't find a way to work with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he treated me like a secretary, even though I was a technical writer creating everything and anything I said, he never listened to. I literally passed notes to the men in the room <laughs> so that they could repeat whatever I said and the ideas were wonderful. So taking that lesson um, of the only person you can change is you, and sometimes even that's hard. How does that, you know, it applies in so many other ways. That's Carlene, I'm just such a fan because to me, there's so much in this book to unpack and I'm, I'm raising these things because I want people to read this at so many levels. It's not just a surface level. There's so much more in there in the lessons that you shared that are kick ass. <laughs> well, that was another way of kind of weeding out, deciding what to put in here is sort of, okay, let's say you're, you're not a, a parent. Well, how can a lesson about parenting help you? Like you did a great job saying, well, you may not be a parent, but if you're a boss and you have employees, that could be the correlation that you can use. So those lessons, you can stop. You Maybe you're not a copywriter, um, but what can you learn from lessons about how to connect with people, how to, how to find the big picture, you know, the big uh, idea or, you know, those kind of things are that's those things you can learn with business in general. So that was another way of just saying, let's see how we can take one lesson and, and see if it can, it can fit into the copywriting business and life, you know, um, that we're trying to, you know, keep as a theme for the book. It's like, we've got a life lesson going on right here. You know, I do this stuff live and you can plan for the best, most perfect thing. I certainly didn't plan for somebody to back their car up in my, in my backyard. (laughs) But you just kind of have to roll with what's going on and evaluate what's important, what's not important, what is going to completely sidetrack you and what you just go, well, you know what? I'm just going to keep going because yeah, you know, we can. The thing, the thing, Laura, is you're seeing that and it's bothering you. I, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't think right. people who are listening, I think that they're enjoying the conversation. They're enjoying the conversation. But you know, this is not how it was supposed to be. Right. You know? And so you're like, ah, oh. but we're like, you know what? We don't even see it. Well, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm just hoping that we won't see any butt cracks or anything. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, let's see. Maybe there's a, yeah, not much time. Right, right. Maybe a good chance, right. The the first lesson I learned the first time I was on broadcast, because the show was broadcast radio for five years, as you know, 
was you just never know what's going to happen on live radio. And, and I think we've all seen that in the Zoom era, oh, yeah. right? Especially people that forget that there's a camera. If I stand up right now, it would not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my God. I, I once ran a Zoom meeting and there were people that, you know, this was a, a not a, a business meeting and, oh no, sorry, it was a church. I was going to church online and there were people on the camera and one person started changing their clothes on camera <laughs> during church. <laughs> and, and I'm like trying to message the person in control of the camera. And I'm like, can you kill so-and-so's camera, please? Yeah, before it gets any more, um, <laughs> before more comes more off. Come off. <laughs> Another person starts changing their baby. Oh, wow. On, on camera, and I'm like, okay, it's part of life, but you know, we really don't need to see that. Right, not at this moment. You know, um, that, so there's so many life lessons in in your book, and thank you for pointing out it's not even bothering you. It's just it's so funny, you know, to me this kind of stuff that that happens, and it was part of my perfectionism. So thank you for reminding me, and that popped out. As a you are an incredible mentor to many, many people with your copy programs, with the work you do with AWAI, which is huge in the copywriting world for my listeners who uh, are not into copywriting. And you've had amazing mentors in your life. And I swear every conversation that I have with you, I feel like I get some mentoring lesson like you just gave me right there in that moment. What is it about mentors that make such a difference in our lives? Um, I think it's just traditional. We are, you know, we're used to, we're, we're culturally speaking, we, we, we learn from our elders. We're supposed to anyway. I know I grew up, my grandmother, um, you know, was a matriarch in many ways. She ran a lot of things going on in, in the businesses of her children and grandchildren. Um, and so we, you know, but she had a vast amount of knowledge that she would pass on to us. So I think that is still the, it's, you know, we may call it mentoring in the business field, but it's just really the passing the torch, you know, the the teaching the next generation, you know, what, what, what you've learned, because if you don't teach it, it's going to go away. You know, there's an African proverb that says when an elder, when an older, when an older person dies, a library is burned down. Oh. Um, you know, because there's so much knowledge. And so what I try to help my students and even other copywriters know that, hey, it doesn't matter where you are in life. You can always be a mentor um, because somebody doesn't know what you know and you can and you don't need the title. In fact, you know, I talk about be a mentor, my, my lesson about be a mentor without the title, um, because you, you, don't go, you don't wake up going, oh, I'm going to be a mentor today. You know, but, you know, if you take the time and you show someone a skill that you have that they didn't have or take the time to show a little kid how to tie a shoe or take the time to, you know, to say a kind word to someone, encourage them to keep going where they're stuck, where they're not. You're mentoring. You're, you are mentoring in one way. And so my my the way I look at life is you're either at one point mentoring or being mentored. You okay. know, I have a little saying I said, you know, be a mentor, a mentor, be like a cycle. You know, because you have no matter who you are, your story can can encourage someone, can teach someone if you're willing to share it. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, if you're 100 years old, that story is evolving as it's going on. So the things I'm able to share now at 60, I couldn't share at 50. I couldn't share it at 40. But I was still sharing. I was still telling you what I've learned throughout the process. So someone who's just starting off having children now, you know. I could tell them, hey, you know what? Let me tell you what happened 20 years from now. You keep doing this. 20 years from now, this is what you're going to you know, create. You know, Be Why? Because I've seen it. I've experienced it and I've seen it happen in you know, many, many people. So I can pass that on to you. Same thing with business. You know, you keep running your business like that. You're going to be either, you know, here or here. The choice is yours right now when you make these decisions. How do I know that? I've done them. I've either done the bad choice or the good choice. Or I've, I've, you know, I've seen other people follow along that same path. And so I can share with you what I know. And so, like I say in the book, I'm sharing it. You choose to keep it. You choose to take it or not. That's on you. My gift is giving it to you. You know, whether you accept it or not, that's on you. 
that's completely on you and that's fine. So the mentoring process, I think it needs to continue because there are generations that there's a generation who they're just dumb. They don't know stuff. Okay. They may know a lot more technology than we do. <laughs> I will give them credit about that, you know, but if we don't take the time to teach our children or the, or the young, the next generation, then we're burning, we're burning libraries and it's just not right. Don't do that. I had never heard, heard that particular proverb before, but it totally rings true. I mean, at the early stages of COVID when the people in the nursing homes were dying and some of the word that was out there was, that's okay, it's no big deal. And all I kept thinking was the wisdom mm -hmm. that is vanishing from our planet is irreplaceable, mm -hmm. is completely irreplaceable. And mentoring is such a beautiful thing to do. I, I love what you said about it doesn't matter what stage you're at, you can help somebody. I, I know for my listeners, th th this often comes up. I get notes constantly and they say, well, that person is so much better than me. Why would anybody listen to me? What do you say to somebody who says, well, I have nothing to offer. There's 10 people far above me that can offer. I would say there's 10 people far below you that you can help. Right. You know, it's, it's, again, it's your, it's your mindset. When you, if you're thinking of yourself, you have nothing to offer anyone. Look at your life. Did you wake up this morning? What did you, you know, hey, that's, there's something you can, that's great. You, you can share somebody with that. Hey, I woke up tomorrow, today. That's a gift of life I have, you know. Did you did you raise children? Did you did you raise parents? Did you help parents, elderly parents? Did you help a neighbor out? You know, did you have a bad job that you got out of and you got something better? You know, did you, you know, did you, whatever. What, you know, look at your life. Unless you've just in a, in a bubble and have done nothing at all. You can share. And even if you've done nothing, that's mentoring too. You can, you know, mentoring is not always positive. It can, you can teach the bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this. Don't live in this bubble like I've lived because I've done nothing with my life. That's a lesson you can teach someone for them to get out there and do something with their life. So, so it's just, it's, you got to appreciate who you are and what you have to offer. And you do have something to offer. It may not be the solution for, you know, the climate problem that we're having, you know, with the ozone layer. It may not be, you know, rocket science stuff, but you have something that you can share with someone who doesn't know what you know. That's a perfect way to start closing out the show. They appreciate who you are and what you have to offer. I love that. I want to make sure people know how to find you, Carlene, and to grab a copy of Your Copy Sucks, You Don't. And I'm so glad you have a copy because I'm all not the paper one, but it's awesome. And there's so much on the back cover as well that is great for people to read and see. Um, so how do they get a copy and how do they reach out to you? Well, I, my book came is officially out today. So Yay, launch day. Yeah, today is officially launch day. Very excited about that. So um, you can go to Amazon and get the book. I highly recommend instead you go to my website, carlinecole.com. C-A-R-L-I-N-E-C-O-L-E.com. When you go there, there's a button that pops up. It has a photo of my book right there. Tap on that button and you are going to find out how you can get $1,799 worth of free gifts. And those gifts include three live copy critiques. I should, my book is about, you know, your copy sucks, you don't, critiquing copy, whatnot. So I thought, you know, how cool would it, would it be to, to say, when instead of me saying, I can be really hard when I give crits, how about I just show you? So I have three videos of me actually critiquing copy that you could learn from. First of all, you can learn from the copy itself because it's landing page copy, sales copy, writing bullets. Um, but then and it applies even if you're not a copywriter because yeah, in business you have Absolutely. to write these things. Yeah. So I show you where how you can say certain things the right way, and so I go through. So I have three live critiques. That's worth twelve hundred dollars, just FYI. Wow. And so I'm. I, I said, okay, you know what? Let me show them what I do when it comes with copy critiques. So you get the copy, the copy critiques. Plus, I give you. 10 of my all-star swipe files. These are the controls, winning promotions, sales promotions that I've written through the years that have made my, my, my clients millions of dollars. And I'm showing you what they are. So for, if you are a writer or a copywriter, especially, but a writer in general, you can look and look at the promotion. You can see, you can learn, you can reverse engineer 
and say, oh, look how she did this. Look how she did her lead. Look how she did, you know, she added these bullets. Look how she added this, this fascinations in here. Look how she did this approach. That's, that's how you learn to get better at copy is you study good copy and you imitate right. seeing, right? So I'm giving that, I'm giving 10 of my swipe files away and that is a $500 value. And then I also, my daughter number two and I, Tierra Cole, she's also a copywriter and also the producer of my, my crazy copy system live mentoring show that we put together every Thursday. Um, and it's on, you know, it's, it's a, it's a paid mentoring program. You can find out about that on my website also, but she and I did a mother-daughter smackdown for Marcella Allison, for Marcella's Mentors Collective. And that was awesome. <laughs> so we did that. So we pulled that together because it ended up being a lesson on copywriting business and life, you know, and also kind of a mom schooling her youngin' on some stuff yeah. that she didn't know about. So I put that together in there. So all together, that's $1,799 worth of really cool stuff that you can use for your copywriting business and life. And I'm giving it away uh, as a gift to everyone who purchases my book. And if you go to my website, you can you can see all the information, you can read about it, and then you can just go from there to order the book directly. Um, okay, so and they go to Carlene Cole. Com. Yep. So you can go there okay. to get the book. And then if I treat, I have lots of copywriting training, free copywriting training that I'm giving to, um, to folks. And it's on my YouTube, Carlene Cole, YouTube channel, that YouTube channel is fun. Okay. I'm just telling you, I'm having a ball with that because I'm showing you what copywriting is about. And it's not just about the writing. It's about the life. So I have a series called adventures with copy star Carlene, where I take you with me on some crazy places that I've gone and done. And I'm just having a ball with that right now. So my YouTube channel, you can just go subscribe to that. It's, you know, it's free and you get tons of tons of really good um, of uh, copywriting gems that's going to help you to get better with your with your skill. Okay. And last thought you want to leave my listeners with or something that I didn't ask you that you wished I had asked you. Well, I, you know, I love your questions. I, I went, I, you're the first person that I, I called and said, hey, I want to do a podcast again. Let's make this happen. Even though we've been trying for the past year, I, I think you ask great questions. I appreciate your time. I, Thank your you. Your listeners are awesome. I got great feedback. By the way, I did, if you know, you, I have a special gift for your listeners. Um, okay, great. So like we did last time, it worked really well last time. So you can get the book, you can get the $1,700 worth of um, the free gifts. But if you, I have also a new special report that I put together and it's called How to Write Sales Copy My Crazy Way. And it's like seven steps. I break it down and I show you how I write sales copy. And then I not only show it to you, but I give you copy to drop in so you can create your own sales piece. That's a, it's going to be a $40, $39.99 value. We're going to put it on the website in a couple of weeks. But I'm like, you tell, you just, if they want it as a free gift, and you know, um, but free gift with the purchase of the book. Sorry, I can't say it's a free gift. But just say Laura sent me to okay. send an email to copy star Carlene at gmail.com. So copy, C-O-P-Y, star, S-T-A-R, Carlene, at gmail.com. If you send that email um, and say, I bought the book, Carlene, Laura sent me, just say, Laura sent me, you know, and send a proof of, proof of um, purchase for the book, I will give you that extra special report. Absolutely free. I'm telling you, if you, it's good for business people, for copywriters. If you got to put together a sales letter or any kind of a letter, follow my template, my little cheat sheet, and it will help. And it's my crazy way because I do some crazy stuff in it, but it works. It works. So that will be my gift for your for your audience, you know, your viewers for listening to us talk this past hour. And, um, you know, you're welcome to have it. Copystarcarlene at gmail.com when you purchase my book. And purchase my book today. <laughs> I know. Let's help you make number one today. That would Let's be so Amazon cool. number one. Yes. Thank you. That would be so cool. I, I love your book, Carlene. And most of all, I love you. I adore you. I think you are, you're just so real. And I, who you are in the world makes the world better. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and you're awesome. I love your mentoring also. You've helped me a lot with my first book. Remember that? Huh? Oh, what God, I do. I do. And you won tons of awards. So I'm so excited. Yeah, about you that. did. It was you. You said, Carlene, send that book in. And I got two awards for my first book, which is my life as a 50 plus year old white male. Um, so that was you. I thank you for that because I, I listened to what you said and I sent it in and I got my book got nominated and, and it received two awards. So. 
Appreciate it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Laura. It's been great. All right, everybody. I hope you, I mean, there's so much to unpack when Carlene's on the show. So listen to this episode again and again, and listen to the first episode last year that I did with Carlene with her first book. Um, as we talked about, when you're reading the book, your copy sucks, you don't 60 kick butt lessons on copywriting business and life. Remember that every lesson whether it's personal or business can apply in so many different levels. And it's the questions that you ask yourself and how, as Carlene said, you step back and evaluate and listen and decide, is this about me? Is it their stuff? How do I use it? What don't I use? That's your choice, but you can't make those choices without information and without knowledge and without wisdom. And Carlene shares so much wisdom today. My previous episode with her in her two books. So I love that she was on and I hope that you got something out of it. Please let me know on social anywhere at the Laura Stewart or email me laura at laurastewart.com as you've been doing. Thank you again for making this show the top 3% globally. And I just am grateful for all of you. At the end of the day, remember the right questions can change your life. What are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.